What happens when you stop seeing people? What happens when you stop seeing people behind bars as criminals and start seeing them as human beings? Welcome to Sentences: Storytellers Beyond Bars, the podcast where we explore the impact of the criminal justice system in our communities. All right, so this is a uh, welcome to another episode of Sentences with. Alfred and Tobias. It's yeah, been a while. Tobias, yeah, how you yeah. doing? Oh, bro. It's all good. It's real life out here. And, uh, you know, staying to the vision and plan, staying present and mindful and thankful and humble. And uh, a student, brother, learning. Always a student, huh? Always here to keep uh, me humble. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real life out here, bro. Eight months, you know? Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. It feels like yesterday. That it does. That's insane. That it does. What have, you, what have you been up to these eight months? Oh, bro. Um, you know, when you're talking about transitioning uh, back into society, uh, there's a lot of dynamics that come into play. But one is staying firmly rooted within the community that come out of, which is the Crenshaw District. Uh, very popular space due to the connection between it and Inglewood or the new stadium. So a lot of construct, uh, construction, the word gentrification is being thrown around. So it's a lot of distress, especially to the death, the death, uh, the death of our brother uh, Nipsey. Mm. You know, so dealing grassroots with the homeless there, the youth there, the various communities there, and at the same time, I'm a part of what is called the Empowerment Con- uh, Congress, which is a group created by uh, the mayor, uh, the seeking to bring an end to mass incarceration in our city. And trying to have a more restorative justice kind of situation. So speaking to that, giving lived experience and my knowledge of how things can possibly go, bro. I've been given to that. And uh, seeking to create our own businesses, man. So, uh, you know, real busy. Baby steps, huh? So I'm the one with the lived experience, you know. Got it. Uh, normally, when inside of those rooms, we say sitting at the table, it's not men and women who've been a part of the system or been inside of the system. Mm. So a lot of men who come out and women, they have to work, bro. You know, they have to get themselves together so they can pay rent, you know, and become gainfully employed and have the hard and soft skills that they need to live out here as uh, productive citizens. So I've been blessed and sponsored so I can take the time to go to these kinds of meetings. And now they're giving a stipend, which is worth somebody's taking their time, which is, you know, $25 an hour. So normally uh, you spend three hours in some of these places, you only get to talk for one minute, you mm-hmm. know, because you're going on record before the, uh, you know, the supervisors of the city. But uh, yeah, bro, just really giving my experience, listening, networking, uh, seeking to find a way of how we're going to create our own apparatuses, uh, right. you know, made by us, driven by us. And so we can start bringing men and women up out of them prisons. So one, one thing I appreciate and I admire about you specifically is that you're uh, you're very driven, right? And you're very yeah. uh, about the community. And one thing it, that bro. you started doing right away is utilizing the space, the new yes. words and cage space yes. in downtown. Yeah, right. Oh, tell, bro, us, tell us about that. Bro, you're hosting bro. you're hosting healing circles, My brother. Right? Brother, you know, at the crux of it all is those healing circles, bro. You know, it's called healing in collaboration. When I started, it was healing and collaboration. And so what I was doing was my uh, the brothers who I knew that came out, I invited them into a space because it's a reentry kind of circle. But then again, a lot of these brothers have women that was previously incarcerated. So now you have the relationship dynamic involved, which is very, very unique for men and women to both come out of incarcerated space. So I've been fortunate to go talk at the Writers Guild and at uh, what you call a housing work. So I started inviting the people who took interest in me 
to this healing circle. So it called healing in collaboration because it's in the collaboration or the intersection of our lives that healings come of all. So that's the heart of it. Thank you for reminding me out of you know what I do uh, yeah. at my heart level, my passion. I almost forgot. Yeah, no, so oh, that's what no, I can't doing. forget that, man. No, that's, no, that's words okay, yeah, bro. It's yeah, a service. Yeah. It's a service to yeah. the community. That I'm yeah. sure. That's something too. I'm just thinking how much time if it's the last time we spoke. And you and yeah, I? Oh, bro, we've been blessed with an office. So I don't think I've even said that before. Yeah. yeah somebody sponsored us uh, with the office and be able to pay the rent for five months. It's in the medallion. The medallion. Four, bro. Right. Beautiful building. Uh, we was the first ones there, brother. So it's open space. We created an art gallery, a place for men and women to share their books and, and to get the voice out of people who are not normally heard. So yeah. to be... Uh, manager in the, downtown, like that, that's oh, downtown, ground zero, right? Ground zero, bro. Brown, in the art district, right? Yeah, you know. So yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we, we can we can go on about this all day, but well, I really want to get to our. Uh, I mean, I appreciate this. Yes, and I love this, yes, but I want yes. to get to our guest today. Oh man, we got a special guest today. You want to go ahead and get, oh, tell us a man, bit more? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Anthony McDuffie, uh, the brothers behind the wall, causing Bomani. Oh man, this is an amazing young man. He came in the system at seventeen. I let him tell his story. You know, come up out of the same general uh, Crenshaw district that I came from. And we met each other in Calipatria, you know, so I'm still inside of my fire and hostility. Uh, You know, he's still trying to come up out of a gang lifestyle. And so we met each other there. And then we was fortunate to uh, get together in Lancaster again, where, you know, we became cellies and, you know, he became more spiritualized in his movement. I became more humble enough to have, you know, this is a whole nother generation. I'm close to 50. He's just coming up out them 30s, uh, 34, 35, 36 years old. Uh, you know, both coming in as young people. So I was able to humble myself and really get an appreciation for his generation. It's a different generation. Then it came when I came about. I came from out of the revolutionized generation of the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, you do what you're told, boy. <laughs> you feel him? His generation don't know nothing about doing what they told, boy. You know, bad relationships with their fathers. His father passed when he was a young person. Uh, you know, so not really having a good relationship with authority and authority figures. So I had to uh, expand in my approach in dealing with these young men. And he became uh, my first love. This is my dude right here. So for him to be able to get out and been out for like seven days, it's an honor to have him here today. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, so like Tobias was stating before, this experience has been a very long, dragged out experience for me. I started very early on um, involving myself in the gang culture, um, living in an environment where it was um, seriously, seriously insaturated with drugs and um, violence was the theme of the day. Um, Everyone wanted to participate in their fair share of violence. This is the environment in which I grew up in and I started to adapt the ways of the environment. Mm. Um, 17 years old, um, I'm committing an attempted murder trying to take lives of other young men of other environments, Mm. um, contributing to the destruction of the environment. Um, And it led me to prison. Um, But prior to that, I was a juvenile offender, so I was spending most of that, that, that time in juvenile hall um, and again, um, just reinforcing some of the same traits and behaviors that I learned in the environment, um, only in a penal code system, only in juvenile hall, to become even worse. Um, so going through that experience and going through the county jail and then going to prison, 
it came to a point in time where I had to make a change. I had mm. to make a transition, and I was consciously aware of this transition and change that I had to make. Um, so, um, as you stated before, Tobias, it was an honor and a privilege also to have met you. It was actually a blessing as well because you became my spiritual guide That's right. um, through that system of of incarceration, uh, what I like to call the tunnel of incarceration, mm. um, because so many people go within this tunnel and don't find their way back to the surface of light, That's back right. to the surface of life. We, we, we're, we're caught in this, this how tunnel. How old were open. you? So how old were you when you got to the prison, the prison system? So when I got to the prison system, I was 19 years old. You was 19? I was 19 years old. I went from juvenile hall to county jail and then landed in prison at 19. Okay, so you're saying from, 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 from the streets to the county jail system to juvenile hall, violence. Violence. Like, this is the theme of the day. Everyone glorifies it. Everyone wants to have their fair share and, and partake in and, this and, and that is, in, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, uh, staff and the imprisoned. Oh, absolutely. Uh, everyone within the institution um, wanted their fair share of the violence. Again, it was glorified. It was... Like glittery school. Like absolutely. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. So, at, at the age of 19... And uh, I know me and you was together in Calipatria. How long did it take for you to get to Lancaster? It took it took me quite a while, maybe seven years. So you were 26 years. when you got to Lancaster? Yes, yes, I was 26 okay. when I got to Lancaster. And then you went to B-Yard, correctly? And I went to B-Yard. And so still more violence? Still more violence. Still some of the same old, same old mm-hmm. um, that we reinforced within within the gang culture, within the, the penal code system right. and its culture. Uh, because we know um, now that the penal code system, the institution, prison, et cetera, has its own subculture. Right, right, um, right, right. Uh, within a culture of gangs, within a culture of violence. Right, right. I'm going to ask you this. So at what, uh, at what age were you when me and you met at Lancaster at, on AYAR, the Progressive Program Facility? So at that time, I, I was 26 years old. 26 years old. Okay. Okay. So at 26, this is when the greater transformation came about. This came is, about. This is where the, the greater transformation came about. Um, this is where I was at a pivotal point in my life where I wanted to make that change. I wanted to adjust my lifestyle to something more positive and more more. Um, conducive to a uh, positive change. And uh, what year was this? This was the year of 2015. 2015. So I was already in the system 2012. I was already there at Lancaster 2012. Right. So that's three years. So by the time you got there, I was already moving and I guess established right. to the point, not only in the chapel service, but also in the self-help program. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. So the reason why I bring that up, because out of the uh, hundreds of men and possibly thousands of men I have pos- positively affected over the last uh, 30 years in incarceration, uh, Bomani or Anthony was the only one who took on my spiritual and political vision and brought it to self-help. 
So what we're saying is, you know, a person can stay in the chapel all day and we can pray, we can beg God to save us. But, you know, God has given us the ability, the talents, the skills and the networking, the ability to save ourselves. So I'm telling brother, we have to take our religiosity or spirituality and be able to take it to the yard, reflected of taking it to real life. So Anthony was the first one who believed in that. And so as I paved the way and maybe a few other men outside of our spiritual group start going into self-help, starting to uh, take it more to the yard, seeking to get out of prison because the whole thing was to get out, you know, and uh, that's what he was able to do. Uh, they had a topic uh, just yesterday, uh, Alfred did a topic on the grief of losing family members. And I want you to say, what effect did it have on you losing your father at a young age? Some uh, men were speaking on how I felt to lose their fathers while incarcerated. You was in prison in your neighborhood, you know, which called the Jays or the Jungles at the time. So how did it feel as a young person t- to lose your father, and how did that play in to your destructive uh, behavior after his death? So losing my father was a very, very traumatic event that, that transpired in my life. Um, I didn't know how to handle that situation. And how old were you? Um, I was eight years old. Eight years old. Um, no one consoled me about the loss of my father. No one comforted me about the loss of my father. So for a very long time, I was I felt angry um, that no one was there to be with me and be for me um, because mm-hmm. of the loss of my father. I also felt abandoned in the sense that I didn't understand why my father um, had to leave me uh, alone, uh, as I would say, because I felt at that time that my father was my protector. He was my hero. Mm. He was my provider. He was mm. my guide. Right. Um, he was also my source of security. And there was times where my mother um, would um, leave me off to her friends and she would go out into you know the party scene and the social scene. And as she's out being in clubs and, and having fun, I would be um, with her friend's son being molested. Mm. And... I was molested on several different occasions, and I never confronted my mother about these situations because I feared she would abuse me Mm. because of her thinking I'm lying about the situation. So I I kept those things within me. I suppressed it. Um, So during those times, my father was very instrumental because... This is when I will come to him Mm. And I may not really reveal the sexual assault to him um, But I did um, go to him as a source of security and protection Especially when my mom would just palm me off to her friends Because I know what would occur when these type of things and type of events would happen So my my father Mm. was actually that, that source of security for me And to have him um, die from diabetes at the age of 35 years old was traumatizing. Oh, bro, I'm going to ask you this just to put it in context. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Um, so together with all of us, it's nine. I'm nine, the middle child. Nine, the middle child. How many children were you raising when you uh, committed your life crime at the age of 17? So I was the oldest in the household at the age of 17, Without any father figure or father role model or father example in the household, it was me. And under me was my four siblings, my four younger brothers. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, they look to me as a source of. Um, Go ahead and name the four of them right now, bro. Because you know they're gonna be listening to this and they want to hear their names, bro. You know these are little bros right here. Brian, <laughs> Beyond, yeah, oh, they Terrell, love him. They love him, brother. And Jabari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were seventeen, and how old were they? Um, at the time they yeah. were very, very young. Terrell had to been about fifteen. Fifteen. Um, Brian had to been about ten, maybe eleven. 10, okay. Jabari had to been about ten, maybe nine. Okay. And Beyond had to been about six years old. Okay. And you were responsible to feed them, bathe them, discipline them, and you was like their father figure at seventeen. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And without even having a father in your life, dealing with molestation. Dealing with separation, abandonment issues, dealing with living in the inner city, which is a place called the jungles, the jays. Brother, it, it, it really is like a miraculous event that you can sit here, brother. This is not a scripted, uh, we didn't even know you was going to be here today, to be truthful. I just texted brother just 30 minutes ago. Like, look, bro, I'm a part of a shadow program. I got one of my young bros. Uh, we welcomed him out. And for you to share that uh, is very important. So, brother, how did you... Uh, how did you get on? How did you move? How did you go before a board, which a lot of men are getting denied right now, and able to show that you have transformed that trauma into resiliency? You have transformed that darkness into light, brother. How did you accomplish that? Um, so I accomplished that uh, first and foremost by transforming that negative energy and that those negative behaviors that I adapted over the years into um something that was more positive for me it was spirituality that's right so i allowed god to be my source of change and transformation mm. um so when i allowed myself to accept that and submit to that um that's when things start to change and turn around for me that was the initial and then i had to do my part that's so right. with that's me right. doing my part i attended self-help classes i attended cl- college um, um before that i got my ged um, and then I just continued on a path of rehabilitation, and I understood very, very early then that the only one's going to be responsible for my rehabilitation is me. Yeah, so right. I had to take that initiative, and I did. And I, I, I fought. I struggled. Um, I continuously worked and committed myself to that process, and as a result, I became free. Oh, bro. I'm going to say this. We got like a few more minutes. What do you want to say to Anthony and Tyson and all the good bros, uh, you know, Sahi, Buddha, and all our beautiful brothers who seen you off, brother, you know, give them uh, a word, brother. Speak to them. So I would like to say to the brothers that still um, inside of that tunnel of incarceration that there is hope for you. Mm, speak, there, there is a will for you. There is a light at the end of that tunnel for you. Um, so continue to dedicate yourself to rehabilitation continue to to dedicate yourself to um change and positive change and don't forget to to take those initiatives and seize the opportunities for self-growth and continue and continue and continue and as a result of you striving and dedicating yourself to hard work um the outcome would be you being on this side in which we will want to see you no brother i'm gonna ask you one thing give them one thing that has surprised you since you've been out. 
Um, I would say technology. I talk to my watch now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, bro. You talk to your Siri. Uh, face FaceTime Tobias, whatever the case might be. Hey, man, we really thank sentences and we thank uh, Words and Cage, Badon, Roy, the whole team. All the grad students, my bro, Alfred, for giving us this opportunity. Thank you, Alfred. Yeah, and for, you know, giving us a safe space that uh, Bomani can come out here and be a part of a podcast. This is big. This is stuff that we only heard about. You know, we didn't even know what a podcast was. I've been in prison 30 years. So to bring him today on a shadow program, on a mirroring program, seeking to transition him into good experiences, uh, we're humbled and we thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. That's uh, and your time, your energy, all that valuable, all those valuable resources, you know. Real quick before we forget, or before I forget, how important this work is that we're yes, doing, right? This yes. sharing your stories and you guys opening up. Uh, I was hanging out with a friend yesterday, um, and the one, the couple times I went to Lancaster, uh, I remember I went after lunch mm. and I saw some guys eating ice cream bars, mm. and uh, but or I think it was Blue Bunny ice cream right, bar, right? right, right and uh, right. we were at we were somewhere yesterday where I saw Blue Bunny. Come on, bro! And then I said, "Hey, like every time yeah, I see that, yeah, yeah. I." I so I said that to my friend. I said, "Hey, you know this? They, they, this is an ice cream company that that has a contract, and they, I've seen this inside Lancaster." Yeah. And then the friend was like, "Oh well, lucky them, <laughs> lucky." Yeah, and I was right, like, "No, right. no, 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 right. visited. <laughs> uh, no, that's not what I wanted yeah. the point to be. I just yeah. wanted to point out that I went that one time, and I had this association with that one company. Yeah. I can't imagine." Yes. How, um, oh, how you guys are affected. Brother, yeah. yeah, but that's another conversation we're going to have to have. We should pin, put a pin in it and come oh, back to it, Oh, right? yeah, we got to come that. back to that. We got to come that. back because there's many companies investing in incarceration, mm-hmm. so it's not talking about any incarceration. Look at the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who've lived real good off of it. It's oh, not yeah. just officers and guards. You know, it's a lot that goes into it. Oh, yeah. So let me go ahead and uh, thank Anthony again. Thank you, Tobias. And thank Espacio and Nico here yes, um, yes, thank for you. Helping, letting us use this space. Again, if you haven't been here, check it out. Um, they have a lot of great stuff. Or check out radioespacio.org. Catch all the other radio shows that they have uh, produced out of here. Um, I want to go ahead and say thank you again. And if you have any questions or or comments or critiques go ahead and send them to sentences podcast at gmail.com and um until next time this is alfred and this is tobias Bye-bye. thank you more money that's where you go we gotta get that dough fixed man.